Welcome to the GoBundance Podcast, the audio channel for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic lives. You know, the problem with most successful guys is they are awesome, yet at the same time, they suck. <laughs> They're too one-dimensional. Like, they have big, fat money, but also a big, fat gut. <laughs> or the opposite. They may look good as hell naked, but if you look in their savings account, they're as broke as a $3 watch. Some may have both muscle strength and financial strength, but they've been divorced five times and their kids don't even speak to them. Some have huge smiley family portraits in their foyer, but not a single friend that's honest and objective with them. Some may be gregarious as hell, surrounded by people and hugs galore, but their charitable giving is shameful. Come on, man. Really? That's all you gave back? I think you get my point by now. At GoBundance, we know we're not perfect, but our goal is to be better. Better multidimensionally in six simple categories. We call these our pillars. Number one, horizontal income. Number two, age-defying health. Number three, bucket list adventures. Number four, genuine contribution. Number five, authentic relationships. And number six, extreme accountability. So speaking of number six, let's dig into this week's interview with a GoBro. And you can tell me. Is he walking the talk or is he a false prophet? <laughs> Hello and welcome to the GoBundance podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Gruber. And today we're talking with a father, a new business owner and a GoBundance brother, a newer GoBundance brother as well, Kevin Gray. Kevin, welcome. Thanks, Jamie. Great to see you. Great to be here. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed your talk in Tahoe. It was good to kind of learn a little bit more about you before we started recording, but let's dive deeper. What is the story of Kevin Gray? Where are you from all the way up through now? Give us the, give us the details. Ooh, that's a long roundabout story. So we'll, we'll get started. Dallas originally. I mean, that's unheard of. Nobody's from Dallas. Everybody's moving to Dallas. So this is a growing aspect, but I'm actually from here. And so far, I'm actually a fifth generation from Dallas, but sixth generation actually from Texas. And um, clearly from the U.S. because I can't prove any of my family outside of the U.S. thus far. So it's an interesting as we've gone down a genealogy track. So uh, from Dallas, grew up here, moved around and within the mid cities and suburbs of Dallas, went to Texas A&M for my undergrad. And that's what led me on probably my first adventure because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to be until I grew up. And so I started off computer science, thought I was great at computers. I uh, ended up in agriculture economics. I wanted to trade futures and commodities. So I thought, well, my gosh, this is a, a great route. A&M's a great ag school. So I got recruited by an ag firm in the early 90s. And lo and behold, all the ag firms were owned by pharmaceutical companies. So being from Texas, I get pulled out of here, go to small town college station. Then all of a sudden, I'm in New Jersey, next thing I know. So shock of the world, of course. Had a great time. Uh, it was good. Uh, moved there a couple of years, or stayed there a couple of years. Moved to New York, moved to Iowa, moved to Minnesota, moved to South Dakota. Being from Texas, Christmas Day, when I'm here at 60 above zero, make it back to South Dakota, 60 below zero, I think, ah, I'm not sure if this is right for me. I need to pack up. I need to come back home. Sure. So make it through the mid-90s, heading towards the late 90s. Now we're in the dot-com days. So I've moved for through my first full career in agriculture already, working with farmers and seed companies. Thought I would never do that growing up. Now I'm back to Dallas. Now I'm in the dot-com days and start with a business-to-business -business IT company. Uh, it was number seven. So this is my first taste of a small company. So I was number seven in this company. We grow to a couple of hundred people. 
you get bought and sold seven times within a couple of years, right towards the end of the 90s. And right before it blows up, you know, I'm good at finance. I think I'm going to jump ship. So I jump ship, go off to American Express Financial Advisors. You know, the reason I bring that up is because you're just short of giving a yellow phone or a phone book and say, here, go dial some names. Let's go see if we can raise some money here. Uh, But I lasted a year. What it allowed me to do is get my license, of course. So that was, that started my path down this road. So that's now been over 20 years. So through that, I thought, well, I've figured this out after a year. So I actually finally started my own company, uh, Trading Futures. And so that was easy come, easy go, a lot of money back and forth, but realized I'm not really helping clients. So I kept moving on from there, uh, went back to the, what was considered the wirehouse world where yeah, you have a lot more opportunity doing more financial planning. Uh, so I made my way to Royal Bank of Canada. That was RBC, which is still today and was helping cli- clients doing portfolios. So that was really beginning on my path. So during that time, I thought, well, business school sounds the right path for me. I knew I wanted to run a business at some point point and learn more in finance, learn more in investments. So went to business school, came here in Dallas, SMU is a great Harvard of the South, as we call it here. So it was a great place, great network, uh, great connections, of course. So uh, very proud of that. And then from there learned within Goldman Sachs, there is an opportunity in this counseling space for corporate counseling. So I did everything for my clients, even their tax returns. So now I'm able to help with estate planning, through their portfolios, clearly a finance background. So we really focus on the money, of course. And that was where my expertise really started showing up and, and built a great book of clients, uh, some great friends. And then after 15 years, having some great colleagues, uh, even the director I reported to, uh, we decide, you know what? I, we think we can do this better. We think we can do some great things for our clients, uh, some great opportunities, you know, and towards the end, we figure out, you know what, maybe I'm a sales guy here with a list of a short list of products. So what, what could we do better? And so I took 19 of my closest colleagues and we jumped ship actually across the nation. So we, we opened six offices day one and we all walked out within 10 minutes across the nation. So uh, made a big splash in 2018. So this will be in November of this year will be year number three for us. So that made us pretty exciting. So, you know, that's all the business side of it. Now we're in our true growth mode. We, we got the scalability and the operations all set up. We did our diligence. Of, you know, we really thought maybe we should go somewhere else. And, you know, obviously we figured out we should do it on our own. And that's what we've done. Giant headaches, bigger headaches than we thought, not one regret. And it's been a great time all along. So that's the, that's the business side along the way. Uh, met my wife, Keisha. Uh, she's the reason I'm here in the first place. She helped push that. Strongest person I know. Uh, we've got two great boys. Uh, they're just now 10, 11. Jack and Kirk are, uh, you know, they're the pride. So as we get down to some of the later things that I've now involved myself with, we'll talk about giving back. But one of the things is really focused on them. And so Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts, and that's where I'm giving my time rather than other charities right now. Uh, so that's a big part of my life. So it is, it's go time all the time, uh, running a business. So going from a producer to running a business with some great partners, it's quite the aspect. It's been a dramatic amount of change in the last three years and, and frankly, somewhat overwhelming. 
That's incredible. I, I, I want to get into, there's, a, there's two or three different things you mentioned, <laughs> one, of, one of which I want to go deeper on because I, I, I found it fascinating at the, the scale at which you made the jump from your, from your job. But I do want to track back real quick. This might be a very quick aside. Did you say that you went down the sort of ancestry path and couldn't find any non-American relatives in your, in your lineage ever? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I would say on both my mom and my dad's side, it's, I'm flat out amazed. I actually found family born in Plymouth, but I can't prove where I'm from. Obviously gray is either Scottish or English somewhere it's over there, but I can't prove it yet. I mean, and that is back to the 1620s. So I have yet to leave the country. So someday, maybe the records are better, I think, in Europe once you can get there, but I got to prove the cross the water first. You got to get that leaf, isn't it? I think, like leaf. <laughs> it's another leaf, but there's right. a lot of leaves out there, and I've had to disprove some of them as well. So it's been oh, fun. Oh, boy. Uh, there might yeah. be some stories there, but uh, <laughs> interesting. Interesting. That's good to know. When you said that, it kind of I, I wrote it down right away. Like, wait, wait, wait. You couldn't get out of the U.S.? That's insane. Six generations, though, in Texas. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. That makes sense. A long you, time. A long time. American lineage. So. Yeah. What's up, everybody? This is Pat Hyben and Tim Rode, uh, founders of GoBundance, and we wanted to give you a quick sneak peek of our August event coming up in Steamboat, Colorado. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of uh, feedback that you'd love to see us kind of go back to the old ways, want to see us do the one sheets, want to see Go Talks, more connecting at the event. So we're committed this year, and we promise, number one, all four elders are going to be there. Number two, it's going to be 50% on stage, 50% off stage, which means, you know, 50% of the time at least is going to be spent interacting with all the other members. And some of the cool things that we got going for you on stage is, of course, as usual, we're going to do the bull versus bear. And we really, really put our heads together and said, what is something that's debatable? And that one thing is retail. So we are going to bull versus bear on the asset class retail real estate. Is that going to bomb or should you be buying into that? That's number one. We're going to be doing the ever popular 728 program with Aaron West, Daniel Del Real. We're going to have David Osborne leading three businesses through the gauntlet. The gauntlet. And if you haven't seen the last gauntlet, the gauntlet is basically it's a shark tank. David's going to run the Shark Tank. He's going to be like the three Shark Tank judges all in one. Actually, what he's going to be is he's going to be like the, the, lead, the interactive guy. And then the audience is going to be like the judges. So the three Shark Tank people will come and present at the gauntlet. Then they'll go into a soundproof booth. And everybody will rip them to shreds in the audience. So it'll be really, really cool and very engaging as to... Um, how people pick apart investments and of course they're real investments so afterwards if you want to throw some money down on it you can too and then during the day of course we'll be getting the goods in the woods we have all sorts of fun things lined up for you plenty of options to play hard to uh, play light however you play there will be a way for you to get it yep and something we're gonna do that's that we haven't done before we're going to have a very organized golf tournament it's going to be a GoPod golf tournament, or if your GoPod is not there, then you can just pick a random foursome. We're also going to have an ultimate Frisbee GoPod challenge. So in your GoPod, you're going to go against other GoPods in a game of ultimate Frisbee, and we're going to bracket it. We're going to have a huge prize at the end for the winner. 
So here's the deal. Sign up, come to Steamboat in August. Here's all the information on the screen. We look forward to seeing you there. The wrong tribe confounds, the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires at $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. All right, let's talk about this exit. Nine, you said <laughs> just sort of almost like an oxymoron. 19 yeah. of my closest colleagues and yeah. I <laughs> and formed six companies or six uh, offices, offices of a company. So 19 of you. Can you give us, uh, all right, context, right? Yeah. For many of us, leaving a job to start yeah. a business is something we do solo. Maybe we have a partner and, and not often, or I guess not often, sometimes it's somebody within the business that you're in because you're forming a, a business within the business. One of the other GoBundance guys mentioned like hang a shingle in the industry, you know, that makes right. sense. Right, right, right. Sometimes it's with somebody across businesses for a new venture, something that you, you have a passion for and you're going to start a company around. How, 2018 is when <laughs> it happened, but yeah. how far back? I mean, is this like, is it possible this was like a six month from conception to ramp up to exit? six months or was this years in the making to get 19 of you? Like, I just want some depth on that. How did 19 of you coordinate yeah. and walk away and, cre and create a business? So to even add a complication to that, it was my boss. I convinced my boss along to come with me. So uh, uh, along the way, that's just one extra level of scariness. Because yeah. one word of this, of course, in our industry, it's like, oh my gosh. I mean, there's legal aspects, of course. Mm -hmm. There's non-competes. There's non-soliciting. All the things that you, all the hurdles that you have to jump through, legal aspects. So uh, it was, it was at least months in the works. And I'll tell you, because we went through three phases, because one, we knew we were going to leave. Where were we going to go? Really, our last stop, which we had paper drawn up, was Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo was really a, the perfect match at the time. And we thought, well, we're just shoebox to shoebox. And then the other one is, let's go to an independent RIA. Clearly, that's where we fit. Let's just go to an existing one. And so at that point, I mean, we're now talking a little over two and a half or close to two and a half billion in assets. It's like, well, we're either going to triple the size of somebody, double the size of somebody or create something for them. And that's really what we found out that what we wanted to create, people wanted, but it wasn't there. So then that's when we said, all right, let's just make the leap. Let's just go do this ourselves." And we truly didn't, looking back, we did not know what we didn't know. So that was a scary aspect. So three of us that are the principals were the mastermind behind all of this, of course. Yeah. Okay. So the three of us to get together, uh, John in Atlanta, Mike in California. So we're, I mean, this is nights and weekends for months to try to figure out, oh my gosh, what do we need to do? Uh, on top of, I've never opened an office for it. Now we need some real estate. How do we get the funding for this? What are, it's on and on and on. And what's the technology? What's the platform? What are our investments going to be? What's our compliance going to be? So I could go all the check boxes of, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that. Let's take another month to go figure that one out as well. So it just kind of snowballed from there. So we would, you know, take an inkling of what interest was out there. Of course, we had this figured out, but we needed a splash. We needed a full company immediately for this to be tremendously successful. And so that's when we started getting more interest and more interest and more interest. And the particular group that we had, it was just an extreme culture fit. So that's where we went to is you do a great job for your clients. You're extremely smart. You're a great servicer. We, I'll tell you, we weren't great marketers. We were not sales guys. We focused on the clients. 
And so that's where we went to first. And it just kind of kept growing from there. And at one point, we really thought, well, it could get too big. And we actually started to pull back. We had more, but we didn't want to bring all of that. So it got a little nerve wracking at the right towards the end. And we were called out actually within, uh, you know, ears were starting to hear things and we were actually called out twice. So uh, it was a really dicey right at the end and it was really close, but uh, you know, but we did it. <laughs> we still did it. I picture like the, there was a show on history channel, sons of Liberty, where, you know, I could see a bunch of you guys like in a, you know, a wood planked bar, you know, like the, like the, the revolution, you know, Sam Adams and all them with like a lantern under a candlelight. Yeah, got it. Right, exactly. With a candle. Just, yeah. Right. I picture that whole thing as you're trying to plan your exit. Uh, you said there were three of you that were the principals that answers my question about what your role was. Are all 19 in a, in an equity capacity, a partnership of some sort or some, did some just come as employees? Yeah. So all originally, everybody original that left with us got some portion. Everybody took the risk and that was important for us. So a lot of them were staff at that point, especially at the very beginning, but they still got an equity ownership within the company. They want, we wanted them part of it because they were taking the risk. Also, not everybody was an advisor. We needed a full staff. We just took part of the staff with us. Makes sense. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. That's intense. You said that you, something that you were looking to build, and I apologize if I don't, if I haven't connected the dots, but what is that? What were you looking to build? What were you looking to do that was, that was unique or, or that you, you know, to do? rules were changing in the last several years. Fiduciary is a big word now, and it's really looking on behalf of your actual client. And what does that mean? We were no longer able to be complete fiduciaries for our clients. One, it stuck out in particular were retirement assets. So the Department of Labor rules changed and says, well, you can give advice. You can't give advice. You can only give education and let the client make, make their own decision. And I thought, well, but we are the advisor. They are coming to us for advice. So, so how does that work? Uh, so that was getting frustrating. And then again, going back to just a short list of products, how, do, how is everything getting paid? How are these passing due diligence? So when, when we wanted to build that, plus additional tools to help the client. So whether it's financial planning, uh, whether it's tax planning, understanding really all this money, you're growing a portfolio for something. We wanted to help the client figure out what is that for something? You know, if it's to travel, if it's to buy another house, we're more in partnership now of let's help you get to that goal rather than just make money. You know, anybody can just make money. At that point, you're really a commodity, but we're stepping in. You know, if you're a business owner, well, how do you grow your business? How do you evaluate your business and how do you sell your business? And what do you do with that business or the money that you get once you make the exit? We were getting really, really good at that and we became partners. So our goal was two things. Well, one is access, that's access to the right people. So I can connect them to the attorney. I can connect them to the CPA, which at that time was me. Um, but we, we outsource that now. Um, out, but access also to the right investments. So as the retail investor, you know, in this group, we're talking about real estate. So everybody's getting deal flow for some direct uh, real estate, but in the public space or other private investments like venture capital, how do you get access like that to the retail investor when you don't have a full $2 million to allocate to something directly. We were getting good at that. And now that we have our own firm, we get the flow coming to us. And now we have to do the due diligence of keeping out the ones that are inappropriate and make sure we have the ones on the platform that are appropriate. So we wanted access to the right investments for the retail investor. So those are the two, it was all about access. So that was what we wanted to build. 
Have you have you found now that you're on your own, you're three years in, you mentioned you're in growth mode. Have you found that you are, are you cutting edge in your industry? Are, is, are a lot of people starting to come your way? Like what's the industry look like for you right now? Or not even for you, but what does the industry look like right now? And where do you fit? What's your, which, what, you know, how do you fit in that? Yeah, sure. There's two big waves going on in the industry right now. There's a big exodus from the wirehouse world, whether it's a, a banking side that has investments or it's a, uh, an insurance company that also has investments. So you're tied to captive investments. We, we like best of breed. We like we want all the investments. So why would you limit that? So that is where we fit. So people are exiting that. And again, the same thoughts of we wanted to provide everything possible and provide value to clients, not just, again, making money. But the other one is our industry is getting older. It's a bunch of guys that are in the process of retiring. So it's uh, moving from the old stockbroker world and they have built a business and maybe they manage some assets as opposed to trading stock, but that's now changing in the industry. And we're more of assets under management or more uh, a fee for planning because we have both aspects to us because we do so much in counseling on the financial side as well. That's the big industry change in, or at least wave of change. And that's what we're trying to capture. Uh, there's folks that are other at independent RIAs already. Uh, we're a good fit for that, but you're not seeing that move around as much uh, because a lot of times they're, once they have found the independent spot, they seem to be pretty comfortable. Uh, we're taking those wirehouse folks because that's exactly what we were and that's what we did. So the avatar of your ideal client or client base looks like what exactly? Just to be clear on that. You know, our sweet spot, we have a lot of younger advisors too. One to 10 million. That's our sweet spot investable assets. We have a larger ones and we now have a lot of kids because we manage a lot of family assets as well. So we devise, devise some products that go below that million because you know what? A lot of the kids of the family don't have those assets as well. That's our sweet spot right now is kind of that one to 10 spot. And it's, it's the first... It, Oddly enough, it's first time create wealth creators. That's who we're really targeting. And that's just been out, not a, out of necessity. That's just been our direction after all this time. It's not the trust fund kids that have a chunk of money and now they're just growing that. It's the first time that you were a business owner or you did real estate or you created wealth and you're looking to create a legacy at some point, whether you're going to spend it all before you get there and leave a name or you're creating it for your kids for that to continue on. But you were the first one in the family to ever do that. That seems to be the majority of the our, of our clients. Makes sense. We're going to pivot over to the one sheet here in a moment, but before we do, what, uh, can you just, what's the name of the company and maybe is there a website or something you can share? Yeah. So can, or, Veracity Capital. VeracityCapital.com is our website. And oddly enough, Veracity is seeking the ultimate truth in transparency. And so we wanted fees, whatever it might be, but that's where Veracity came from. I like it. Great name. Great name. That's uh, that's memorable as well. So very cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. It's a great background. You touched a little bit on family. I had a couple of questions, but we'll touch on that as we go through the one sheet, it's the baseball card of your life here. And we're going to go pillar by pillar to learn a little bit more about you, obviously. You Let's start with horizontal income. Currently, what is you your horizontal income and how many lines is that? You know, we're stuck down to one line. You know, I've seen where it's been dividend paying stocks, but for me, it's crypto mining. I have a lot of uh, cryptocurrency, but I've bought very little. I've built more mining rigs than I've actually purchased in crypto. One's here in the over my shoulder here. And now I've pulled them up to the office because my wife is like, it's hot and it's loud. So we got to get them out of the house. So now they're starting to make their way to the office. But right now, that's my only line that I would see. I had some real estate actually just recently as we get to this, but uh, sold a house that my mom was in 
and um, as opposed to no income, but it provided some liquidity as well. So now I've got some extra liquidity, but you know, at this point, I'm an enigma of this particular group because my real estate or the income from that is at this point zero. Well, it, but that's that's why we all come to groups like this, right? So well, and that's my goal. So now I get to learn from the experts and how do I go down this particular direction? So I've done lots of real estate in the past and maybe it's a fund or maybe it's some direct investments, but uh, my focus has obviously been the business and been other things and it hasn't been that and looking to change it. Got it. So crypto, real quick, as an aside, uh, as we record this, it's in the it's been in the news recently from yeah. the Elon Musk uh, tweet or whatever the heck it was. I don't even know his statement about Bitcoin, uh, <laughs> right. the crash of Bitcoin, not crash, but you know the correction, the sure. pullback, whatever you want to call it. Ethereum has seen that as well. Like all coins have kind of drawn back a little bit. Your yeah. outlook, your feeling, anything that you uh, that you've been thinking about as far as crypto, Bitcoin specifically, or, or anything in between. You know, I think Bitcoin has to make it. Bitcoin has to make it because it's the first one. If it fails, I believe all the other ones will fail. But I think it's inevitable. I think as a, as a foundation, you're starting to see other governments accept it uh, as, as in, their, in their governments. And you see our government looking to create their own and not use uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum. So yours, I believe it's going to be inevitable. It's a great technology. So it is just part of a blockchain technology. Um, but it's, it's more secure. Uh, it's easier to use. Um, you know, there's obviously some pushback on a wide, worldwide acceptance, but we're getting closer there, obviously. Uh, the news, because it's not full adopted right now, you're seeing the news greatly affect, I call it yeah. volatility. It's swinging. You talked about the text, Elon's text. And it's like, well, that makes it cheap. Is it cheap to buy again just so it can go back up? Uh, it, it's interesting to see what's really behind the tweets, what's really behind the news. But long-term outlook, I definitely think it's, it's, it's here to stay. It's here to stay. Ethereum's obviously a better technology and Bitcoin. It's going to continue on. It's going to continue to get better and better and better, safer and safer. And I, I think it's here to stay. Yeah. Bitcoin seems to be bouncing off of 30 and staying up after that. So to your point, right. I think it's probably as of right now, a decent time to buy. And just, I'm going to solicit free advice from a guy in this, in this sector. Do you advise on percentage of net worth or how much crypto, or maybe for yourself, uh, what, uh, what percentage uh, you, you're comfortable with in crypto of your net worth? Or is that not the right calculation? Just any thoughts on that? You know, that's a great question because it, it, it depends. You know, that's the easier answer. It depends. Uh, one thing we've actually done is carve out a portion of the assets within the last year to go to real assets. I put Bitcoin and all the cryptocurrency in a real assets category, which happens to fall for us in the same category as real estate, gold and silver, anything that's, in, well, somewhat income producing or inflation hedges. So we've recently cut all all of our gold and silver allocation in half and put it towards Bitcoin crypto or a cryptocurrency, not Bitcoin in particular, but at least uh, cryptocurrency. Now that's not for every client, uh, a conservative client, no way in the world am I going to bring that up. The volatility is just not appropriate. Sure. So for the right ones, yeah, I have recommended, you know, and it's about a 5% and it's not dramatic. If you're starting with one as an entry, 5% seems, uh, I, you know, we're very conservative. We represent a lot of people and a lot of money. So what is the appropriate thing to say to a broad universe? You know, that's hard to say, but yeah. 5% is for an aggressive client. That's pretty uh, a target for, you know, for a lot of our clients. That's a good point. I've talked to some people that are looking at like all in, yeah, literally yeah. all in on credit. It's just like, I, I think to your point, low percentage of net worth sure. investable assets makes sense that you're, uh, yeah. that you're at that level. So. Um, yeah. When you're talking to us, no all in for 
anything when you're talking to an advisor. Right, right, right. Good point. <laughs> of Good point. And in that, so give us an idea, like how do you allocate for you? What's your net worth allocation spread across, if you don't mind sharing that? Yeah, so cryptocurrency, I'm probably above to about 10% right now. I mean, the, it's it's at least 80%. It's still now associated with the firm. This is where, this is my all in. I But I'm associated with this, similar to everybody owns real estate. They're putting it all into real estate. I, it's good. You do what you know, of course. Sure. I knew this business was going to work. And you know what? We made a splash. So we've added to it. We're, we're growing this thing as, as fast as we can. So 80% is going to be associated with the firm. 10% is crypto. So that's about half of my liquid assets. The other assets are uh, spread across either private investments or, or public equity. So I am now, uh, I'm an aggressive investor, of course. I'm young, young enough anyway. I'm actually, maybe I don't feel so young. I'm getting older all the time. Well, but at the, time, <laughs> at the same time, equities uh, still is key. Now I'm adding to some other allocations because you know what? I think the world's going to catch up with the U.S. So you got to get smarter. Makes sense. No, I love that. Thanks for the, uh, again, thanks for the free advice in, in, in a few different areas here. So let's jump over to your age-defying health pillar. So what is your current weight and your current body fat percentage? So uh, weight, I'm down to 195. Now I'll tell you the interesting thing for that, when we were all together in Tahoe, I was at 122 and I did not put the goal. I should have just said, look, when in our group, when we said, oh, this is my goal for the next few months uh, is to lose over 25 pounds, that, that I, I should have just done that because I achieved that. Sorry, you um, meant two twenty two. Two twenty two. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. You said I'm, I'm like, wow, you packed it on and oh no, no, no. That was going the wrong direction. I can say I can even that. Wow, you uh, lost twenty seven pounds. Yeah, just since then, which is uh, I, I didn't realize I, I knew I had that to lose, but I didn't know I had that much. What was the catalyst? What uh, what made you lose twenty seven pounds from then to now? You know, starting this business, I started uh, the the amount of stress was quite overwhelming, and actually down to the point where my I was having back issues. So going to the chiropractor, uh, just being unhealthy, uh, really affected. So I get back spasms, and that's when I finally said, you know what, that's it. I know I've got high cholesterol all of a sudden, and I've got back issues. Well, it's all from diet and exercise. And that's what changed on a dime really within two weeks. All of that went away in about two weeks. So on my next trip back to the dock, I'm probably off of cholesterol. I mean, it's everything's in a particular direction, which uh, I didn't actually set until Tahoe, as a matter of fact. So that was some level of a catalyst in my head is everybody else is doing this and I've got issues. So clearly this is going to make sense. That's amazing. That power of tribe, right? When you get around people doing yeah. certain things, you feel that that draw to kind of it, it's it's human nature. Humans want to be part of something. They want to feel like they belong. And if this is if you put yourself in an environment of of belonging to people that care about health, they care about their wealth, they care about their family, you tend to kind of go along with it. So yeah. really cool to hear from you. That's awesome. What was body fat percentage at this point? Do you have you measured that? I haven't since. Uh, I need to do it again. I know I was over 22, 25% early on, and it, it was just way too high. You know, if I can get down to 15, that's, that's where I'm going. 12 to 15 is probably okay with me until I'm really going to focus on it. Um, but that's, that's where I'm at. So much healthier at this point. Yeah. No, what's the diet look like now? Like, what are your, you have a specific diet you're following or is it just moderated from what you were eating before? What is that? You know, actually, with the trainer and actually worked directly with the trainer and essentially cut out almost all carbs. I'm pretty much on a keto diet at this point. So it's a lot of, a lot of meat and eggs and, and vegetables. And so almost all of my carbs are really coming from vegetables. I'm uh, eating a lot of, you know, a lot of steak, a lot of chicken. 
And that's, that's what it's been pretty much three meals a day. So I, I can't get enough in me at this point. Cause I've put on actually that first week I gained 10 pounds because I put all my muscle back on, which was frustrating. Cause I actually lost more, you know, after that, but, uh, it, that's been the diet much more healthy, obviously. So it's, you know, sitting here in the office, uh, as opposed to getting something delivered, going out to eat, grabbing something quick. Uh, you know, now I've got pre-made kits and that's actually where I started is like, I just need something. I I'm really good at following a plan. I needed a plan. Sure. Sure. Put one in yeah. place. That's amazing. What about the, the, uh, the exercise regimen? You mentioned you're working with a trainer. What does that look like? So now I'm a high intensity weight training. Uh, I started with the back, so we had to do lower intensity, you know, beginning on specific turns, actually got a specific trainer. That's uh, more of a physical therapist as well. Mm-hmm. Just focusing on, you know, I found out it was my lumbar L4 in my spine that was truly giving me issues. And that was where the inflammation was. So we started doing exercises very specific in the core to make that straight, make everything strong. And then now I'm back to normal where it's a a more general routine, which anybody and everybody would do in gaining a lot of muscle. And again, and in the core, you know, you lose it all the right places and uh, it comes back, but that's, that's where you come back to focus on. So doing that three days a week, and then I'm doing cardio another three days a week as well. So adding that just so I can keep, keep losing the pounds. I have another 10 to 15. I need to go going to ask what your target is so you want to get down to about 180 it sounds like yeah 180. 180 185 if i can do that i think 180 might be too light 185 is probably right about right and and after as i get older i'll be uh be 48 in two weeks so i'll uh you know i don't need as much muscle as i did obviously and obviously i'm losing it but uh, that's that's the goal 185 gotcha what's the uh you mentioned cardio what are some of the things you're doing for cardio So I'm sticking with a bike. I've had four knee surgeries in my life, dislocated knees, ripped every muscle in both legs and uh, ACLs, MTLs, you name it. I've done it all, whether it's uh, soccer, other sports, Um, a lot of folks here, you know, doing marathons. I'm not sure I could ever run again. I've got screws in my left knees or left leg still from that. So my running days are over. I might try to do the biking. Um, my hips are okay. So I, biking might work out pretty well. And that's what I spend most of my time on the recumbent bike. Maybe it's elliptical. That kind of gets hard on the knees. But that's where I'm sticking with my cardio for now. I'll, as things get stronger, I'll figure out how to, how to mix it up. Because as many of us, I get bored pretty quick. Have you gotten the Peloton route? Did you find a Peloton bike in COVID? No, I was, I was afraid of having another clothes hanger in the house. That's just <laughs> totally my route. I knew I would just do that. My, yeah. Keisha and I just talked and talked. It's like, maybe this is something we should do. And uh, I never pulled the trigger because I know myself. I'm like, I, if it's over there, if I don't have to leave the house and make myself work to go do it, it'll never happen. That's, that's, me. I that's my downfall. That's yeah. my downfall. Yeah. I need to be in the, I thought the same thing because I love spin class. I'm kind of known for it. I love going to spin class. And uh, I was thinking about getting a Peloton, but it was like 30 days. I'll, I'll do it for 30 <laughs> days and then it'll just. It'll and then I'll pay me. a subscription for another six years. That's, yeah, that, that's, that's me. And uh, it happens over and over and over. It's just the fat tax. You don't look at it as a subscription. You just look at it as a fat tax for not getting your ass on the bus. That's right. That's right. Love it. All right. Let's jump into authentic relationships. You mentioned Keisha. You mentioned you have two boys, 10, 11. Tell us a little bit more about, about them. What are they into? What's it like being a dad at that age, a 10, 11-year-old boy? You know, a lot of people tell me this is the best time ever. I believe it. Right now, I, I mean, they're so independent. They're so learning things. They're right at the beginning of this hormonal 
craziness. It's like, what in the world is wrong with you? You know, going through that process, why do you stink so bad all of a sudden? You know, all the fun things, of course. So the older one looks, I mean, he's kind of the spitting image of me. I mean, both of them look so much like me. The older one, Jack, is is really spot on, loves soccer, uh, has gotten into lacrosse. He's already a black belt in karate. So he's just, he's phenomenal and all that. He's so outgoing, uh, but he's been great in school. We actually had, uh, during COVID, of course, we, we actually had a, created a pod at home. And so we had eight other kids. So we had school at our house. It was just, it was an amazing process, but their grades actually went up, which we were fearful of what was going to happen without that interaction. Cause he's the one that needs that interaction with all the other ones. Um, but he's done great in school. So he's doing that. Uh, the younger one, Kirk is one of the best he's in theater. So he loves theater. He he's, uh, and the other one is rock climbing. This, this kid is a beast on, he's an American Ninja warrior at 10 years old. I mean, he's more wiry and man, he's so strong, but he climbs a wall and, and whatever in front of him in the blink of an eye. And so the, you know, the old rope in gym class where nobody could actually pull them. So he's up on the ceiling in about 30 seconds. It's just crazy to watch. So there, there's something else. The transition is quite amazing that how, what they've already done so far. It's awesome. You may have figured out the ancestry. Maybe you are a late descendant from the apes, right? And that's why it starts <laughs> only in the Americas and nothing before. You might be just sort of still Australopithecus afarensis or whatever the hell it is from way back when. It's got to be. There's some Neanderthal, something that's absolutely about right. It finally clicked. My anthropology professor would be proud. I remember that generation <laughs> of life. And it, the school thing, real quick, before we leave this, this category, actually, I have one more question in this category, but has it, for me, I know it did, I have younger kids, but, and for others it has, but has the, the COVID virtual, you mentioned the pods that you put together, has it changed anything in the dynamic of education for your kids or how you look at it or how you're designing life around education? Anything that that's, maybe it's not, it's just kind of a question I, I just thought of, because I've talked to a lot of people who have if, if they haven't made changes, they're the possibilities for unschooling, homeschooling, alternative education means yeah. traveling, uh, nomadic lives, all that stuff has popped up. Any of that for you? Or is it like, nope, get them out of my house, back to school so that they could keep getting, you know, get all this psycho energy out? Where, where are you on that, if anywhere? You know, it's a great question because it is definitely not a fad. I mean, everybody's recognizing that there's these new possibilities, of course. So we're fully on train with that. They're not completely homeschooled, but even when we were in Tahoe, they were out of school for a week, did it remotely from the hotel there. And that's become closer to the norm. We are big travelers. I mean, we've been, the kids are, their first beach actually was in Spain, oddly enough. So we've nice. taken big trips early on at the age of four with our kids, and that's going to continue on. So they will start seeing the world more and more, and it's become easier now that we can say, you know what, we're going to go do school remotely, you know, whatever the hours are, and the rest of the time we're going to see stuff. And we're actually going to be there to see stuff rather than, you know, a, a short trip or, or, or see it on TV. Uh, we're very big on you know, going to see some of these things. Um, But your question on the nomad part, I know some have pulled their school uh, kids out of school completely. And for the homeschool, bought the RV, lots of that going on. Uh, We're not quite there yet, but I think a lot of that is strictly due to my work here. It's just a lot of hands-on, a lot of in-person. And maybe that changes over time. I don't know when that time will be because you know what, they'll be 16, they'll have cars and they'll be 18, then they'll be out. So 
we'll have to figure that out. My wife's goal and my goal too is at some point to go live somewhere for three months out of the year and just get totally ingrained. And we'll figure that out at some point. So that's one of our life goals to do that with the kids. So we've got to do that before, uh, you know, they're completely out of school. But it's interesting that you ask about that because we think about that a lot. Yeah, we do too. It's and it's funny you you're at a point now where your kids are more than halfway through their yeah. time at home, right? And they say ninety percent of the time with them uh, that kids spend with their parents is up until the age of eighteen. You've got what the average of about seven summers left, right? So it's great right. you're thinking about the types of things that you can do in a compress because it'll fly. I mean, you know, you three years ago you started a business. I'm sure it feels like it was two weeks ago, right? So things yeah. just kind of pop. So yeah, I love hearing that. That's awesome that you're you're starting to think about ways to kind of get things in before they're they're out of yeah. the house because. How do you squeeze them all in? There's too many things to do. I, know. I think we're doing Africa. Well, I know we're doing Africa next year. So nice. if we can told that, well, the kids are too young, but uh, we're, they're going on safari. So we're going to do it. Well, maybe not, great not. opportunities. Yeah, yeah. That's an amazing opportunity. Good for you. That's cool. Life happiness. I, I, I neglected to ask you that. What is your life happiness index and what category are you working on most? So mine, you know, I keep thinking in my head, it seems really low and I feel guilty. I think it's because I'm guilty of all the things that I feel like I should be doing. Uh, I'm like a, just over a six, like just a, a 6.1 is what it showed. The interesting thing is if I look at it a quarter ago, you know, I was closer to a five, but it's mine is giving charity and giving. And that's really where I slowed down. That's probably my lowest number. And that's what's pulling everything down is I've given time. I've given money in the past. I've given to St. Jude. I've given to my alma mater. I've done endowments, but I have yet, but now I've really slowed down is I, cause we really, really want to find where should we give the money that we want to really be focused on. We haven't figured that out. So that's been a, not a headache for us. Obviously it's a, a good problem to have, but mine is now time. Um, as my kids have been involved in different things, Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts is really, I'm, I'm an official member on the committee. I'm very involved on the district. So I do things along more that route than it is to give back in other places. So I'm helping other scouts. I'm helping them develop. And, you know, I want everybody to be an Eagle Scout. I wasn't, but I'd love for everybody else to be. And that's, those are great things. I still love my school. I, you know, A&M gave me pride. SMU helped me make money. And, you know, I want to give back to things like that and then figure out from there, where do the true things that we can give back on. And that's actually part of what this group can help with. Obviously, we've learned about so many great opportunities and uh, that's what we're diving into now. We haven't figured that one out. Nice. No, that's great. It's a good segue too, because the next pillar we're going to talk about is genuine contribution. And so the question is, what's your give back ratio or just generally speaking, what do you give per year if you're, if you're comfortable sharing? Yeah, I'm back down to one and a half. You know, I've done, I think this year's goal or, or the number here is probably 20,000 is all we're going to do this year. That's um, it's, right? That's money, not time. That's money. Yeah. And I, the time wise, I forgot what I'll look at the calculation here in a minute, but uh, the time wise is dramatically amount of m more, you know, as time becomes money, uh, that's tough. You know, when Sundays are filled up, weekends are filled up and more evenings, that's where actually my, my goal was, you know, early on when you don't have as much, you try to give your time away and then you start giving money. And I feel like I'm now going back the other way is now giving more time than money until we figure out what else to do. Yeah, I'll tell you what, we have like this Saturday coming up, for instance, a soccer game and then uh, a, a party for one of the kids to go to and something <laughs> else for the kids or whatever. I feel like, yes, that's quality time, but also should count as genuine contribution. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. A six and three-year-old boy and all that stuff, like I'm giving in those yeah. moments. There's no doubt about it. 
I've helped coach every single team they've been on. You know what? I should be getting paid for that. Oh my gosh. At the time of amount of time and effort that goes into, you know, helping kids just hurt them like cats. Uh, that's an effort. That's huge effort. But, uh, the kids appreciate that. So anytime you get involved, the kids always do better in whatever you're involved in. It's not good for L4, though, so I'm glad you got that figured out. So <laughs> let's true. jump over to extreme accountability. We were having a quick discussion in advance about GoPod versus local chapter. They're two different things. But in your case, it sounds like you kind of combine the two there in Dallas. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who is in your GoPod or a couple of people that are in your local chapter and what you guys are talking about right now? You know, we're expanding quite a bit. Um, a lot of people just been added to the list. So uh, I've got Kendall Kirk, Ken Wimberly, uh, Ross Laughter, uh, Matt Templeton, uh, Ray Bat and uh, Scott Hare, uh, you know, we're adding, we just keep adding to the list and more and more showing up. Now, I will tell you, I've been there twice. I mean, I'm still new to the group. I got, had to miss the first ones and we're, we're meeting more and more. We're trying to set up to find, you know, get together outside, whether it's uh, playing golf or now that we have a boat and somebody else has a boat. Now, how to get on the lake now that it's warming up uh, and quit raining and we're not in snowmageddon. So, you know, we're trying to get that. Oh, gosh, we're another nightmare after COVID. But yeah. uh, beyond that, uh, so we're now talking about there's lots of personal aspects. Uh, you, there's a lot of business going on, but there have been some personal aspects that we're holding each other accountable. I'll, I'll tell you, my last one is my wife has a milestone birthday uh, in two weeks. Her birthday is the day before mine. And you know what? I'm pretty stressed out about how do you make this a worthwhile unforgettable birthday for for somebody that has a milestone birthday uh and it's especially my wife and loves to plan loves to do all prepare and plan for everything and how do you plan for for the planner so uh it, we go through there's a lot of things that have come up but it's a lot been more family and personal aspects that i feel like we're holding each other accountable to make sure we're having the right conversations and uh you know a lot of family aspects a lot of family dynamics going on lately I love it. You, uh, you have Ken Wimberly, legacy of love guy in the group. He should be able to help with the, uh, the wife stuff. And I would say this, do you, uh, he know, did. you know your wife's love languages? Are you familiar yeah, with them? I am. Yep. I know my wife is service and that even makes it hard. So she, I, I know what that one is. And Ken gave me some great ideas and I'm using two of them as a matter of yeah. fact. There so. you go. You got the yep. right guy for the job right there in your local chapter. All right. Let's talk about bucket list adventures. Uh, that pillar, what are your three you mentioned Africa. That might be on the list here, but your three future yeah. greatest hits. What's coming up for you? You know, Africa next year is definitely going to be number one on a trip. Um, in a couple of weeks, we're actually going to the Turks and Caicos. So that's a, another fantastic one as well. You know, any other travel, Thailand's pretty high on my list. We've not done that. We've been to Hong Kong a few times. We've been to parts of China, uh, but I would love to do Thailand. And those are, those are, that's what's big on my list that will actually, absolutely make happen and then go back to south america been to argentina one time uh, but we want to get down that way you know i think if we uh, think of a retirement home right now we love belize belize is pretty fantastic so that's our getaway place rather than going to mexico but those are the bucket ones right now that are on the current list the uh is a financial guy saying going to belize that's i've heard that story before so that makes a lot of sense <laughs> Hopefully I'm not on that list of stories. I've heard so many of those stories. That's interesting. Yeah. Good stuff. That's excellent, man. I appreciate you sharing so much. And uh, uh, oh, by the way, are you going to Ecuador? Are you planning to go to Ecuador with the Gobanis? No, I saw that pop up. I actually was just talking about it this week. I didn't make the meeting. Um, so I would say right now it's not in the plans, but uh, who, who knows what will change. You and I are on the exact same page with that exact same page. So 
Very good. I appreciate you sharing. We're going to jump over to our closing question, which is from the GoBundance app, the card game in the GoBundance app. I, I don't, I, I drew the four of hearts. We'll see how you do with this one. You're, you're a smart right. guy. I'm sure you can come okay. up with something. All right. We'll see. You're not going to a smart thing, but see if you have a, if you have any experience with this, what is the closest you have ever come to death? To death. Wow. All right. The heavy one, the heavy one. To death. I would say the scariest one that has come to my mind. So at Texas A&M, I was in a student-run organization. A lot of people have heard of it, at least from Texas. It's Aggie Bonfire, Texas Aggie Bonfire. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, people were killed much later, about 12 years after I was there. I was one of the nine guys that actually ran the organization. And so there, if you can imagine a wedding cake style bonfire that's over three and a half stories tall, that's how big this is. So my job at that particular time was what's called six stack. If you think of a wedding cake, six, six levels, the top one is the six stack. And there's, uh, I, I slipped, I fell, but I had a, I had a rope, <laughs> but I didn't have a rope around me being a nice. student, you know, you know, you're, it, it's uh invincible you're you're invincible uh so i did i actually slid all the way down there so we had diagonal ropes that were out to telephone poles that kind of helped keep the center pole established at the very middle so i would say that's the one time and and i used my bare hand on a manila rope that uh blisters and all the way down but if i would have dropped i would have (laughs) died so i would think that's the one that stuck out in my mind it's like Oh my gosh, that's the one I could have almost not made it. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know. But if I would it, it all worked out great. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I don't know if I would have an answer to this one. So, I mean, I don't want to. I was going to say good for you, but maybe not. I don't no, know. it's not. I was thinking: is there scuba diving? Is there? I've flown planes. I'm like, I've never had too many issues of. You know, you do things stupid when you're a teenager. I'm like, no, none of those things. But that's the one that sticks out first. Mine comes daily, and it's usually I did something, or if I got to do something, my wife asked me to, and that stare is about as close to death as I get it each and every, <laughs> each and every day of my life. Yeah, I'm going to bring you down a notch, too. That's right. That's right. Kevin, this has been amazing. Thank you for sharing. Great to get to know you, and uh, I, I look forward to seeing you at the next event. How can folks find out more about you? You can, you know, whether it's your website or any other way to contact you. Yeah, absolutely. Questions and just connections, of course. So, veracitycapital.com is where you'll see our company, of course. My easy email is kevin.gray, which is G-R-A-Y at veracitycapital.com. Uh, love to connect. I mean, I have, I'm overwhelmed as I was telling you at the beginning, I was, uh, I'm just overwhelmed that uh, the great people I've already connected with here. It, I'm among a group that uh, make me nervous because so much has been achieved in this group and I'm looking to uh, ride some coattails on uh, some knowledge and it's been great so far, great connections and I've enjoyed every minute of it. No, it's, it's, I'm glad you're here. And I get, I guess I'll see you in Atlanta in a couple of weeks about the time of this recording or actually, yeah. week, I guess it is um, next week. I'm looking forward. We're actually hosting a, an event at the Braves game. So I'm l- looking forward to that. I've never been in that little venue right there at, at field level. So uh, that's going to be pretty exciting. So I'm looking forward to getting together with that group. Check that bucket list adventure box off while we're all there. <laughs> That's right. So. Another I fun opportunity. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for connecting with me. I appreciate you taking the time and yeah, I'll see you in a few days. Thanks again. Thanks again, Jamie. It was fun. All right. Thank you. The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. 
Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires at $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Okay, okay, okay. Oi, oi, oi. <laughs> the Audible Australia, you croaky, abundant sky. Well, the Aussies won't have it, but the Ecuadorians are saying, come on. Win it, go bandits! Grab life big at the Galapagos Islands and Ecuador! September 13th through September 23! We fly into Quito and immediately ship off to the Hot Springs Resort where you can put one foot in the Northern Hemisphere and one foot in the Southern Hemisphere at the same time. Selfie! Day two, we travel to the Amazon jungle and go straight into it with some epic class four whitewater rafting. That night, we stay at stunning Hamadrati Jungle Lodge. Then, we travel downriver to a remote indigenous village for our give back project. There, we'll be giving to a village of indigenous Ecuadorians who so need our help in rebuilding their community. And of course, we will be bringing hundreds of GoBundance Frisbees to teach the kids the game of Ultimate Frisbee. Later that day, we'll be welcomed into the same community and thankful for our efforts and we stay with the tribe. We say adios to our newfound friends and travel back upriver and onward by road from the jungle back into the mountains. This afternoon, we'll reach Banos, a small town situated in a valley at the base of an active volcano. Then we'll head to nearby San Martin Canyon for a bunch of cool activities like ziplining, walking across a high, high, high suspension bridge, Via Ferrata, whatever the hell that is, and a canopy jump into the Rio Pastraza. Sort of like 12 shots of B12 Reindeer. Day five from Banos, higher to the Andes towards Cote de Paxi. Now, we're going to break into two groups. Each group is going to do something on this amazing mountain or volcano. You will have your choice. Choice one, we're going to wake up at midnight and summit that sucker so we are there at the sunrise. Now, the summit is 19,347 feet. No joke. I highly recommend you train hard for this. Be ready for this because 19,347 is no joke. We'll have another group head to Hacienda La Aligra, a family-owned horse farm located in the panoramic volcano valley we're gonna do some horseback riding and then do an epic mountain bike ride you don't have to decide till you get there it's gonna be absolutely epic either way we're all returned to keto it's time for aspiring adventures epic amazing race what a way to see keto ecuador then we fly out of Quito to the Galapagos Islands. There we stay at the famous Finch Bay Eco Hotel for three nights in a row. 
And this afternoon, we're going to go wander and check out some of the weird and wonderful wildlife. We're going to do some scuba diving, snorkeling in the pristine waters of the Galapagos. Bucket list item check! Then on day 10, we are going deep sea fishing. This will be a day of epic nautical bomb. Then we fly out of the Galapagos, refreshed, re-energized, and with a soul that is majorly fulfilled. Ecuador is bound to be one of GoBundance's most epic international adventures yet. And I hope to see you there. Go Ecuador! Thank you for tuning in to the GoBundance podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend, an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, GoBundance Champions, five million net worth and above. Number five. Go Abundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.